If you're hurting on the inside and you're searching for healing and liberation, you've come to the right place. Tonight, we're going to talk about these topics with a band from Marietta, Georgia, known as Crimson Overtone. With me this evening is the band Crimson Overtone. Guys, thank you for joining the Raven's Heart live stream. Hey, thanks for having, thanks us. For having us. Thanks for being. Unfortunately, we're not live tonight. We had to do some pre-recording because of schedules, but that's quite all right. Hey, can each of you introduce yourselves and tell us what you do in the band? Uh, my name is Alex, and I'm the drummer. I'm Evan, and I play guitar, lead guitar. I'm Christina, and I sing, and our missing member is Rob, and he also is doing rhythm guitar. It's good to have each of you with us, and uh, last week you all had a pretty big week with the release of a new single entitled Coffin Black. What is most exciting about this new release for you guys? Uh, I think just the process of this song, it took a lot longer than any of us expected to put this one out. Uh, we've been talking about this song since what was it february yeah something like much. that um but we put a lot of work in and i think that there's there's a reason that everything happens right so this was the right time to put it out this was a good um opportunity for us to learn a lot a lot about production and post-production and all of the things that go with that so it's just it's uh, also yeah. to me it's exciting because it's uh the sound and the feel of it is sort of the beginning of a new era of music for us as well. Um, hoping everything coming down the pike from here is going to be very much similar and it's an aggression and heaviness and, and uh, that's, that's the end game anyway. So would you say that it's the aggression and the heaviness of the song that is the, the new level for you at this time with coffin black? I think fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very much the direction that we want to go. It's it's uh, I feel like it it sort of consolidating where we've wanted to be and um, and definitely pro projects us on a on a good path. And Alex, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What excites you most about this release? Oh uh, no, you did not interrupt me. I wasn't talking. Um, <laughs> I. I I guess it's a little bit different, a little bit cool, because, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say video. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, it's uh, we're also releasing a video with it eventually. So uh, it's still working on editing and stuff, but it's just kind of cool to see all of that together. When's the video coming out? So we're hoping um, around the end of October, you know, leading up to Halloween, spooky season, all that stuff. Um, when we're done with our performances, the idea is that it'll release kind of after we finished up with our October shows. Yeah, I would say definitely the timing for this song is perfect. I've seen the artwork for it and I like it. And the artwork to me is kind of birthday massacre reminiscent when I take a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite bands. <laughs> They're one of those bands for those who don't know birthday massacre, their music does not match the name, the name of the band whatsoever well i've been looking forward to having you guys on for quite some time uh jermaine our good friend from tricord 
He's been up here with us at Get Revelation Rock Fest, and he's actually co-hosted a few Raven's Heart uh, editions with me as well. Highly recommended, Jim. And, you know, listening to your music without question, you guys rock. There, there's no question about it. But can you tell us what is it that you hope that your music will accomplish in people's lives? What impact do you desire to have uh, on people's lives with your music? So I know we've said as a band, we just really want to create this raw and high energy environment that can resonate with people no matter where they are by just using our stories and being ourselves. But we really, um, we don't want it to all be, you know, sunshine and rainbows, but we also don't want it all to be down in the pits. We want to do something that's fun, something that's fresh, something that's exciting, um, but also something that connects. Yeah, accurate. I couldn't add anything to that. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto and mega dittos on that. How how have your personal life experiences defined the purpose of your music? That's something that I've always found really interesting about our group here is we have all been called to a specific kind of demographic, if you will. Each of our stories can resonate with different people and can reach a different group of people. So, you know, like for me personally, I went through a lot of um, just struggles in college and kind of lost myself in all of the things that were going on in life. And so uh, for me, having to find my identity again, figure out where that comes from, where my value comes from my, and where my purpose comes from, that's now become a really big passion of mine is working with other women who maybe have been abused or who have struggled in sa- similar areas that I have to reach them with our music and with my story. But I know everybody has their own their own kind of purpose within the band as well. If anybody wants to share on that. Yeah. Anything? No. So (laughs) for, um, for me, music was a really big part with me growing up. It gave me something to center around center around specifically with the harder music where, um, it not only matched what I was feeling and thinking inside, but it provided, like I got into some of the some of the older Christian uh, underground Christian hard rock and metal groups, you know, back in the day, um, the early days of Pillar and POD and all of those guys, you know, yeah. and um, early Disciple. <laughs> Their new stuff is so much better now, but the early stuff was great. But anyway, it gave me something to center around that nothing else, nobody else was touching. Nobody else could could link what was going on inside me with, with the Lord and the scriptures. And, and so that's kind of what I want to provide for people is that, that missing link where they can find some hope and draw some, some stability from it. Yeah. Alex, you're awful quiet for the drummer. Usually it's the, it's the drummer. That's the wild man in the bunch. (laughs) Uh, I'm an introvert. Um, Ah, okay. The, the introverted drummer. You know, when we talk about struggles and we talk about those things that um, a lot of the church doesn't connect with a lot of times and a lot of music sometimes really kind of misses it as well. Um, that's the issue of trauma. And as I was putting this edition together, that was really where the spirit of the Lord was leading me was to kind of talk about trauma a little bit um, because of the struggles that some of you guys have been through. You've had experience with that. And I've personally had experience with that as well. And one of the things that I've discovered, and you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, 
uh, is that trauma can do either one of two things. It can either turn somebody's life into an absolute prison or it can serve as a catalyst for creativity. And I've seen this in some people that have gone through some some trauma in their life of it being that catalyst. From your experience, how can trauma be used or um, put in that place where it's a catalyst for creativity rather than a prison uh, from your own experiences? So <clears throat> with me specifically, it boiled down to a question of, do trauma is like a crushing, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a weight yes. and it's, it, it boils down to a person, personal question of, do I allow this to just erase me or am I going to stake my claim and say, no, I'm, I'm not done. I don't want to be done, you know? And it's, it's hard because different people come from different places, you know, and sometimes being erased might feel kind of good. But at the same time, when you get to that point, you're like, no, 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 there's something left, you know, and that's really, that's where the creative piece comes in because creativity is really centered around um, the deepest part of our emotions. You know what I mean? And when we can tap into those things, that's when we can start sort of reclaiming the bits and pieces that trauma has destroyed. And whether it be through Creativity takes a lot of places. It could be through art. It could be through writing. It could be through, um, it could be through, golly, if you're a computer guy, you know, there's tons of creativity. I'm not a computer guy. So let me preface that <laughs> at all. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're into that math sort of thing, there's creativity behind that too. You know, so you can, there's things you can build and create to sort of gather all those pieces that trauma has scattered if, if you choose to, if you want to. So you, basically a person has a choice in the matter is what you're saying of how yeah. they're going to let that affect them that they, and that's, that's very liberating um, to hear that, that there is a choice in the matter. We don't have to be the victim to the trauma, but we can choose either to uh, for it, either to propel our creativity or be that prison that we choose to live in. And that's it. And that, that just defines the rest of our life. You know, Trauma is one of those things where, you know, okay, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, and it's like anything that had to do with emotion or anything like that, I was like, well, just, you know, tough it out and go out and chop some more wood. <laughs> you know, go, go lick the wound and too bad, so sad, you know, grow up. Uh, and I, unfortunately, that's the way a lot of the church, I believe, has been uh, for many years, is they don't address the issue of trauma. It's not, and I'm talking about mental trauma. And because of that, a lot of people are blind to it. I didn't even realize uh, the things that trauma does or the impacts of trauma until a few years ago, um, where one of my pastors sat down with me and helped me go through some mental healing, which was absolutely amazing. And I didn't realize I had all that. I didn't realize I had all that baggage. Why do you think that people, number one, themselves are blind to their own trauma? And why do you think this is an issue that the church really doesn't address a lot? Well, I'll say two things to that. Christina and I were actually talking about this earlier. <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah, it's a phenomenal question. So first off, I want to address people being blind to the trauma. I, it's not that they're blind to it. It's that, that the trauma becomes your identity. 
you don't see it as trauma. You see it as part of who you are. The problem is that's a lie. The trauma is not part of who you are, but that's it's because trauma is so intrinsically engaged with everything that we feel, you know, from, from we look in the mirror and we see, and we, and we feel certain ways about ourselves. That's the areas that trauma hits. You know what I mean? And, and it touches on all of it. And so it's because it becomes a part of a person's identity. It, it sort of looks like people are blind to it, but they're not. It's, that's just who they feel like they are. Right. And she, she has a lot to say about that. Yeah. I was gonna say, it, just, <laughs> it just becomes your normal, like that. It takes being on the other side of it to realize that it wasn't normal to begin with. Like what you were saying, take some time sitting down with somebody that's on the other side of it or that can see it from a third party perspective to actually say oh wait okay i've been through some stuff um because i've i've been there too yeah. um so but- it, and as far as as far as the church goes first of all disclaimer here all of these statements are are from our own personal experiences mm-hmm. we're not speaking for any specific group or anything like that right this is just us okay so the way we have seen and experienced it is the church doesn't really ignore it. There's two things that happen. One is they try to cover it as best they can from the pulpit with blanket statements. Okay. It's not that those statements aren't true, but if you have 150 members and the people in the congregations you're speaking to, you have 150 individual traumas. And that blanket statement might hit three, four, five of them, but it certainly won't hit all of them. And it might make some of them mad because they feel at that point rejected or neglected or, you know, patronized or something like that. But what the church does do, and we can all speak to this because we met in Celebrate Recovery, right? So the church does have programs in place for those who are interested in no longer having trauma as a part of their identity. But you have to want to do that. You have to make that choice, just like creativity is a choice. Well, if you're going to venture out into another avenue of life, if if the, the trauma that you're experiencing is too much and you just don't want to deal with it anymore, you're not going to get the answer from a pulpit. It's just not going to happen. Well, for the most part, it might happen. If you're lucky, go play the lottery. but i mean the reason for that is because that's not where life happens like life doesn't happen in the pews of a church life happens when you leave the building and that's why community is so important and why i think it's important for people to know that there are resources out there that are you know whether it's run by the church or not but there's so many like we've got more than just 12 step and aa and na there's grief share there's divorce care there's shelters and pantries and centers for just about every hurt or habit or hang up you could find yourself stuck in. There's community there in those places where people are actually doing the healing. It's just, it takes knowing what those resources are, seeking out or going and using the resources available and being willing to do the hard work that comes with getting better. Yeah, There's a difference between the purpose for preaching on a Sunday and for that one-on-one discipleship. And I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right with your uh, analysis of that. You know, preaching is one thing. It serves its Heaven. purpose. 
but then you have to have that one-on-one discipleship and that um, intimacy with individuals in your community. And it's very important that you're in a healthy community, a healthy church community, or a healthy group like you guys, uh, you know, you were all in the same group and that's where you met. And that is fruit of a healthy, <laughs> healthy community with that. Uh, I've been to churches and spent a lot of time in churches where I had trauma that I needed to be set free from, from the church that I was in. And there are a lot of people in those situations. Uh, you're all nodding your head. Oh, yeah. Do you have any personal sto- you know, something you can attest to, to that? Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. Like, you want to be here another three hours? <laughs> oh, the stories. The stories. I used to do long form radio uh, on talk radio where we'd have the three hour times, a four hour time slot from seven to 11 on, on Saturday night. Yeah, that would have been awesome. You know, maybe sometime we can, we can hit upon those things as well. Um, but you know, for you guys, and, and this is really what I see, and it's very exciting because you have overcome the trauma, because you have overcome those things in your music. God has given you authority in those areas to address those areas in other people's lives and have the authority to impact other people's lives in a way that's that's meaningful. And another thing, too, while I was getting ready for tonight, I was like, you know, where in Scripture can I find um, where it talks about being healed from trauma? And my eyes were just open because I never saw these verses this way in this context. But going back to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 61 at verse 1, where Isaiah said, and then Jesus preached it in the synagogue in Nazareth and got thrown out because they said, "I'm, I'm here to fulfill this where it says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath uh, anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And the um, Hebrew word for that, and it was mentioned by you guys earlier, is that crushing of what trauma is. Actually, that Hebrew word for brokenhearted is shabar, which means internal crushing or internal breakdown. No, it does not mean achy, breaky heart like Billy Ray Cyrus in the 90s. That's not what it's referring to. And then in 2 Timothy uh, uh, chapter 1 and verse 7, uh, Paul addresses the need for a sound mind, where he said, For God hath not, uh, hath, has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And it's so important. Mental health uh, is so very important in, in the, anybody's life but especially in the walk of a, of a believer. But Jesus addressed the mental health issue and the trauma issue right there. You know, a lot of times when I've read that verse, I've always thought of the physical healing, but I never really thought of it in the aspect of the internal. And when you talk about the heart, you're talking about, you know, the inside, what the core of a person in that. So it is addressed and it is addressed in scripture. Let's talk about some music and hop back in the time machine to like 365 days ago in the past, 2022, um, you guys released a five-track EP entitled Assimilation, and this was a concept EP. What was the concept that you were addressing in this EP? So we kind of wanted to just start with a very broad view of our own recovery. Um, sure. Not, not getting into the specifics too much, but just the process of recovery for us. So starting with the twisted and being just in that state of ignorance, if you will, and then 
hitting rock bottom, having nowhere else to look but up, um, and then learning to sever sever all emotions. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, find ways to grow through the different scars that we've all incurred. And then finally ending with war cry where you, you take, what is it? Step 12, take this good news to others, right. you know, and sharing that with other people. So I, I do specific, specifically speaking about that and a little bit on what you were just talking about a second ago. It is very, very important that our audience knows that we have not overcome we are overcoming because there are major things in all of our lives that are still crushing, mm -hmm. you know? So by no means are any of us somehow magically floating above the waters of victory. And mm -hmm. we are now the almighty band that is sharing the hope. No, we're living this daily. We're undergoing this crushing daily. We're undergoing and, and consequently we're undergoing the healing daily as we choose to find it. And so this is by no means some, you know, rags to riches, zero to hero story. This is an active, and that's what the, the EP is about, is about the active steps of, of recognition and um, choosing healing. Wow. Wow. You know, what you're talking about there with the daily steps in this, it takes me back to what it says in Scripture about our need to renew our mind daily. Uh, it's a daily fight that we have to go through uh, and walk in that healing that has been given to us through Jesus. And it says, by His stripes we are healed, and we need to renew our minds every day and not walk in the patterns of the world or walk in our own patterns and our own thinking. And... um what you guys have done is you have taken yourselves from your own old patterns of thinking and the patterns of the world that you were assimilated into. And I, I think this is where you were going with the EP. You were assimilated into that. And then you transferred that over and you reassimilated yourselves into the purpose that God had preordained for you even before he created you um, and you existed. <laughs> on this earth yeah sounds about right about right <laughs> that, feels, that feels accurate yeah i mean I, <laughs> right. I mean you know assimilation is a key word i mean we're hitting on some key stuff right now uh, especially with the trauma uh because of i mean just look what happened in in 2020 with all the trauma that we're still dealing with with that um that people are dealing with and having to go through those were traumatizing events and I still don't think we've seen all of the bad fruit that's come from a lot of that. But then we're talking about the assimilation process. And, you know, it used to be that people were taught how to think, not what to think. Now we're at the point where it's like, this is what you need to think. We've got the uh, the thought police out there. It's like the book or George Orwell's 1984 and the thought police are out. And, uh, oh, you, you, you thought that. And to me, that's that's dangerous because, um, my goodness, you know, in our minds, okay, sometimes our thoughts are not even our own thoughts. They're planted in there by demonic spirits. They, they put those thoughts in there. And just because you had a thought doesn't mean that's who you are. That's right. 
that you know, and that goes back to everything that we were just saying. That thought does not define you. Um, I have all sorts of weird thoughts all day, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and share them because you'd think I was cuckoo for cocoa puffs. But uh, it's the discipline of renewing my mind, saying, "No, that is not me. No, that is not who I am in Christ," and having to do that on a daily basis, basically crucifying um, our flesh to that. But the thing is, is, you know, today it's, well, you got to think this way. This is what you have to do. This is the way you do it. And my goodness, you know, I go back to um, growing up, you know, in school. They taught you this is the way it's done. This is the way you do it. This is the way you do it. But all of those ways that we've been taught aren't necessarily uh, God's ways. Uh, God's ways are very, very different. Uh, can you share with us some scriptures that might you might know or think of that relate to assimilating to the God, the plan that God has for you there. <laughs> well, you, I'm going to, uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. So Romans 12, the renewing of your mind. Yes. Um, that is for me, that's huge. That's one of my favorites because I constantly, like you were just saying, you know, if, if, if our personal thoughts were to be put in public, it'd be kind of scary. It would you know, a, a lot of them are sinful, a lot of them are ugly, a lot of them are hateful, etc. Um, so I constantly have to remind myself and renew my mind. And the way I think about it is brainwashing in a positive sense. I have to brainwash because my nature wants to point one way, but God wants me to brainwash myself with his word and, and the real stuff, the reality of life, not all this fake stuff. Um, that tells me who I am, but it's not true. Mm -hmm. you know, God tells me who I am, and it's true. So, yeah, for me, Romans 12 is, is very powerful towards that. That That is. Any other verses? They say he stole mine, but that's okay. Because um, there, there is another um, scripture. It's not a specific scripture, but the um, in Daniel, right? We're talking about the assimilation of a whole culture, right? And yeah. Babylon absolutely did that. They took these tribes and they scattered them. They took the best and brightest and scattered everybody else, which at that time is huge because everything was very intentionally tribal. This was their family, their lineage, their honor and their pride. So to be scattered in that way was a huge form of oppression for the um, Israelites at the time. And the way they assimilated people into their culture was they gave them these new names. They forced them to eat the food that they ate and put them into these roles of, of honor, of power, but only at the expense of all of their values, essentially. Yes. And what I found so interesting is you hear about, you know, um, Daniel, and then you hear about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, right? Daniel's Babylonian name was Belshazzar. And that's what they renamed him as. And yet in the entire book, he never goes by that name. He calls himself by his true name. Most of the, um, the scripture calls him by his true name. It's only when the Babylon, Babylonians are speaking to him that he responds to that other name. And the reason that's so significant is like the name Daniel literally means God is my judge. The name Belshazzar is a play on the Babylonian gods of the time. They are literally trying to replace his identity with the identity of their gods to take away his connection to 
um, not just to who he is, but who he is in, in God and replace it with these, this pagan worship. So the fact that, you know, you can be in, it's that be in the world, but not of the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's such a great example of, it's just this tiny act of rebellion, right? This tiny thing, but it is so significant um, that he uses his Hebrew name where all of the other Israelites in that story, even the the most faithful in Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they still go by in the scripture for the most part, those Babylonian names. And I just have always found that to be so inspiring. Yes. Yeah. Very timely. Uh, as a matter of fact, last week I did an interview with a the orchestrator and conductor of a musical that's opening up in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, called Daniel and the Kings. And it's about Daniel and it's about not assimilating into that system. And we discussed how timely this is with everything that's going on. And, you know, rebellion, uh, there's a, just like everything else, there's a negative form of it, which is as witchcraft, and that's rebellion against the Lord and his word. But there's a good rebellion when you do not assimilate into the machine or to the system and become part of, you know, what's what's going on. I keep thinking of, um, oh, man, going back in the day to Ronnie James Dio's video, The Last in Line, if you if you watch that and it shows the assimilation and, and what's going on today. With a lot of things, I, I'd highly recommend watching it. Uh, very prophetic in a, in a lot of ways uh, that Ronnie James Dio put that out. So very, very interesting. You know, and the thing about assimilation, you know, I know we have them because every once in a while I hear from them, the critics saying, well, you what you're saying is, you know, you want them just to assimilate themselves into your confined religious system. You know, you, you want them to do that. You want them to go from one set of confinement to another set of confinement, which they find more restrictive. How would you answer the critic that would say that? So I think there's two things that I would say. Um, the first one would take me hours. So I'm going to stick to the second one for now. Because <laughs> um, I get so excited. Like we all do. You can ask he and I will sit after practice sometimes <laughs> till two or three in the morning, just going back and forth about scripture used to, and then yeah, life hit and I had a job. So, <laughs> um, but one thing that stood out to me, we were actually having a conversation semi recently about the difference between the satanic tenants, like satanic temple, the, their kind of seven commandments that they live by. And then the 10 commandments, how, um, and it was, I think, you were talking to your son, right? About that. Well, originally. at one point in time, yeah, they're yeah. they're very very similar, and yeah. and um, I've had friends over the years that uh, were into the the satanic thing, and they're very nice people. I mean, I'm, you know, as long as as long as boundaries are honored, like whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's fine. But what's interesting about the difference, specifically under the context of of what you're saying, is the the seven tenets all center around goodness for your own self gratification for your own self enlightenment for your own self and the 10 commandments inherently yes you benefit from it but it inherently is about who god is because what happens is the you, everybody knows who's a believer we've heard oh well, we reflect the Lord, right? 
Right. So if what we're doing is actually putting ourselves last to put him first, and that's a really generic statement. So please nobody <laughs> jump off on a tangent because I'm being generic because time is short. Okay. <laughs> so um, what's happening is, is we're saying we're opening up the ability to talk and speak with and, and have conversation and relationship with the creator of the universe. Whereas with the seven tenets, you're being good. You only have a good relationship with yourself and people are inherently fickle. And so what Mm -hmm. happens when you make yourself mad one day? What then? (laughs) Well, I mean, and there's, there, it's, there's not enough time really to go into all the details. So I don't want to go into, but really one is self-centered and only self-centered and the other is God-centered if it's real. Now, the funny thing about religiosity they're not wrong when they say you want to go from this set of standards to this set of standards. That's the same. You're exactly right. If that's all it is, if all it is, is a set of rules, why bother? Right. But the creator of the universe, the person who gives identity, the person who defines love, the person who defines forgiveness, that's what you're gaining. And not only that, but once you gain that, you can actually give that. You know, so when you're giving back in that relationship, because giving back is a big thing on the other side, which is good. We should do that. It's fantastic. Everybody keep doing that. It's great. Good for the environment. Good for other people. But when you're giving back of something bigger than you, you're actually giving back more than what you can give of yourself. Mm. So if you're only feeding yourself, you can only give a fraction of what you have. And eventually you're going to run out of steam. That's just how people operate. Yeah. 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 The, the self, the worship of self, that was, that was the foundation of why Lucifer fell. He said, I will. And that's what it's all based upon. And, you know, for me, because I, I, I went through that before my conversion, I was like, you know, why am I going to do that? Why am I going to be like Ned Flanders from the Simpsons? Why do I want to live that way? And it's when you come to that point when you're like oh okay i am dealing with the one true living god who created me now i know why okay um because he has the power of life and death in his hands and he has the power of my eternity in his hands but then when you start to follow him it becomes less about the rules all right and it becomes more about the relationship there there's a freedom in it it's like playing basketball. You know, you go out, you play basketball, you're playing on the court, and every once in a while you hear the referee whistle blow, yep, timeout, foul. Oop, okay, I committed a foul. I'll repent. But you don't sit, you know, you don't sit out for the rest of your life because you sinned or 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 did, you know, violated one of the commandments. You get back in the game and you play again until you hear the referee whistle play again and you go out and you have fun. You know, that's that's basically what it's like. So it's not the rules so much to say to me it's it's about the relationship that comes and you know following the law um at the outset you know when you're just brand new in christ and you're trying to figure out what am i supposed to do how am i supposed to be um yeah that's where you start you start with those baby steps it's those baby steps 
and then in that maturing phase and I'm like you guys, I'm not saying, Oh, Hey, I got all the answers and I'm totally matured at this point in time. That is a daily thing that happens. And none of us are going to be complete or perfect made perfect until we have our glorified bodies. Um, so, you know, it's just that matter of maturing in the process. It's, it's a complete process and it moves from do's and don'ts to that relationship and that partnership with God, uh, to me in, in a lot of ways. So would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, because there's quantifiable good in just about every religion, right? But the mm -hmm. difference between Christianity and every other religion is that, that those quantifiable metrics for what is morally right are to gain the approval of whatever you're worshiping, whether it's the worship of self or whether it's the worship of some other God you're trying to gain that approval. God approved of us before we were even born. He approved of us when we, before we knew him, when we still hated him and were living in complete anarchy and rebellion, he still approved of us and he wanted a relationship with us. So it's not good for the sake of approval. We've already got that. It's good for the sake of, I want to make a way for us to be in relationship together. And I just have always found that to be the most amazing thing. It is the most amazing thing, but also it's something that's very, very hard. I've actually, I was saved at a very early age and grown up in the church. And man, I got to tell you, there's, I just came, um, I'm recently two weeks, maybe max on the backside of what I finally experienced as a legitimate spiritual war. Like it was a war. Because, you know, when you start, when you start to question, you know, am I just following religion? Am I just following the rules? I mean, I say I know God, but, you know, this isn't working and that's not working and that's not working. You know, you have to ask, you start asking yourself these questions, what, what the deal is. And, um. I lost yeah. my train of thought. What did you say? I'll get it back in a minute. <laughs> Quantifiable good being a After that. relationship. Not this happens all the yes. time, by the way. This is this normal. Is oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God approves of us already before. Oh, yes. thank you. It. So it's in, in, uh, it's really difficult. It's difficult for unbelievers to do it, but I think in some levels, it's even more difficult for people who have been believers for a long time to do it. You are already forgiven. It's called forgiven. It happened before. And because we get so well-versed in religiosity and the do's and the don'ts and the scriptures and, and we know all of this stuff, there's some default in the head that does exactly what Adam and Eve did is we got to go cover ourselves up, right? We got to go make it all look right. And we don't make clothes as good as a tailor does. Mm -mm. It just doesn't happen. Right. And so, you know, to, to be able to actually live in the fact and believe, choose to believe it's why it's called faith. Choose to believe that God does love me. He does have a plan for me. He will communicate with me and I don't have to do anything other than believe it. That's a big deal. And that comes in. I mean, I've heard it from preachers over the years. It comes in stages. You know, you have different stages as you grow up. You have to deal with that same battle in stages as you get older, too. Oh, yeah. You know, but it man, it, you talk about a challenge. That'll beat you up.
<laughs> it'll mess you up good <laughs> yeah well you know if, if you think about it a little bit you know we we're talking about um luciferian beliefs and then we're talking about the you know the forgiveness and us trying to make it all right so that we can be in that relationship with god or so that we can get into heaven by our works Again, that's all self-focused. That's that's Luciferian to say, hey, I can do all these great works to get into heaven. I will ascend is basically right. what we're saying. Exactly. By me doing this, you know, you have adopted a Luciferian uh, uh, concept. Even and really what it boils. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, even without meaning to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because that's our that's our default. That That's the world that we live in. That's who, unfortunately, our you know, relatives, Adam and Eve, because they gave into the temptation of the serpent, um, you know, the fall of man occurred. And that's, that's how we got where we are today. But really what it comes down to is what we're talking about is belief. By grace are ye saved through faith, not of, your, not of works, lest any man should boast. And on your uh, EP assimilation, uh, there is a track entitled Unbelief. What is unbelief about? What are you dressing specifically in that song? I honestly, I love this song. It's one of my favorites on the EP because it is a little bit of everybody's stories. Uh, so one of the important things for us in practice is we do these devotions and then we also do what we call our happies and crappies for the week. We just kind of check in with each other and see how things are going. And Alex and Evan, were both kind of going through this. Um, I mean, all of us. <laughs> We're going through some different things, but they specifically were sharing about some of the stuff they were experiencing. And Alex brought up Mark chapter 9, um, 24. That's that passage where it's the um, this man comes up to Jesus and he says, I need you to heal my son. He's dying. I can't do this. And um, Jesus asked, well, do you believe? And he says, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I... Um, I love that passage and I love how Alex shared that passage in conjunction with the scripture uh, and with his own situation he was going through because that I think is something it's, it's not about believing enough. You will never have enough faith. You will never be able to pray hard enough or believe hard enough or be able to will it hard enough. God does not require a hundred percent faith to do miracles in our lives. God requires humility to do miracles in our lives. And so by admitting that he was struggling and um, then later in the song, the Evan was kind of in the same vein. He's like, I'm just so, I'm so sick of still small voices. I, I, he <laughs> says this in practice and he's like, I'm sick of still small voices. I just want God to like yell at me. And I was like, that would be a great song. <laughs> Um, honestly, they should probably get way more credit for the lyrics on that song than me because I just took stuff they said and made it rhyme. Um, but it's just such a cool story of each member of the band get kind of being exemplified through that, but also showing how God, even in our doubts, even in the struggles, even in feeling like maybe even feeling like we've been abandoned at that point because we just can't hear his voice. We know he's there. We believe he's there. We're living in the discipline of knowing God, but sometimes it's just hard to feel that presence when you can't actually hear him speak. And so that song really comes from 
wanting to hear God's voice, but being in a place where he is being quiet. He is using those whispers and the both the discipline that is necessary to overcome that the frustration, but also just the genuine frustration of God. Why won't you just tell me what we're doing? And <laughs> let me in. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. Give, give me the full plan, please. I want to know where we're going. <laughs> Throw me a bone, man. Throw me right. a bone. <laughs> exactly. I know all about that. Wow. This is some really good meat that we're diving into. This is, this is strong meat and strong milk, milk from scripture that we're diving into, but let's dive into some strong meat and milk through the music of Crimson Overtone. This is unbelief.
Christina, in your background, you've had some classical and operatic training. Where and when did you discover that you could combine your classical and operatic training with metal? (laughs) It was a complete miscommunication. Um, It was never my intention. I, I did major in music in school the first time. Um, I majored in trumpet and voice and I thought maybe I'd go teach or maybe I'd go perform or something like that. And, you know, do, did some theatrical stuff, uh, off Broadway performances, things like that in between. Uh, and then eventually I decided I was giving up on music for good because I lived enough of an extraordinary life by that point with all of the things that I went through in college and everything I was going through at the time, I decided I'm just going to give up music and I'm going to go into education. I'm going to go to school and become a teacher. Cool. Um, During that process is when I got into recovery myself and I, you know, was asked to do the worship for our small group. So I was playing some songs and at one point I played a song that I had written and they all liked it. And they said, hey, can you like record this for us? That'd be so cool. So I went to Rob, uh, who was the music director at the time. I said, hey, um, do you know anything about recording? He's like, oh, let me introduce you to my dad. So I showed him the song I wanted to record, and I also had a couple of others there with me um, just because it printed the whole song book out instead of just the song I wanted. So it printed all the things, and Rob and Evan found this other song in there, and they're like, oh, let's do this one instead. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, realistically, metal was never in my future or my vision for myself and I had no idea how I was going to do metal with operatic and classical and if you listen to like the oldest oldest stuff it sounds like I didn't know what I was doing it's very evident but um, I think in a way it kind of ended up being for the best because it has forced me to grow as a musician it's forced me to grow as a person it's forced me to learn so much about 
the not just the style but the techniques and the talent that it really takes to do well in this genre um it's not one that i ever thought i'd be in but now i mean i really can't imagine doing anything else yeah, yeah that's that's uh, very interesting that you say that because there's a lot of metal musicians especially singers that never imagined that that would be the genre that they would go in uh some of them i know were jazz trained and other ones like you classically trained and they are some of your your um they're at the top of their craft and, and what they do in the metal industry i mean the one that uh, was jazz trained i was like oh wow i was like i i had i had no idea you know as a whole though you know for the message that you have that you're sharing with people why is metal the appropriate genre of choice to get your message across rather than let's say you know just pop or something like that or you know or a, you know traditional contemporary christian music metal tends to carry well a couple there's a lot of reasons actually <laughs> okay the first one is metal is a very broad genre underneath it are at least i don't know almost 100 let's go with that i'm sure there's little subgroups of subgroups of subgroups but there's all these subgenres that can be filed under the metal category and um most of them are related to earlier punk and hardcore and stuff like that um most metal guys will go all the way back to black sabbath and ozzy and that sort of thing what what it carries is the emotional aspect that no one's allowed to talk about and not only does it carry it but you get to throw it in people's faces and so you know it's right. like it most of the world most of the time tends to tell people to be quiet shut up sit down and go away and nobody wants to be like that and then what happens is when you get exposed to whatever subgenre uh, uh, and this happens to literally i was listening to an interview with um 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 um, um metallica the other day and they were talking about um, what it was like to grow up and all of a sudden you hear this and uh, Kurt Hammett actually was saying this. He was like, you know, you're this 12 year old kid who's, you know, you, you can't relate to anybody. You're kind of pissed off and your parents are mad at you and you're just like, ah, and then you hear this guitar. You're like, oh, that, that <laughs> works. You know, mm -hmm. and so that's that's pretty much what the genre provides as a whole is it's this unspoken. It, it's it's just a really powerful genre. Um, the scripture says our battles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and principalities and uh, of the air. It's the airwaves. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you come in singing Kumbaya, you're bringing, you know, a, a knife to a gunfight, so to speak. Yeah. You know, he's just not going to work, man. Like life is life is messier and more aggressive and harder. I mean, if you talk to anybody with any kind of a broken family, you know, there's definitely a place for all kinds of good music. There is, you know, I listen mm -hmm. to classical. I listen to jazz. I listen to some uh, not much R&B, but there's a place for everything. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. But this message that we're carrying, this message has to come through this genre. Yeah. Because it's getting into the nasty parts of 
people's lives that they're not allowed to talk about. And not only that, it's the nasty parts of our lives that we're not allowed to talk about. So right. here you go. Have some metal. It's loud. Stereo's cranked to 40. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, just to tag on in a little bit of a lighthearted jest, but you you should have heard these same lyrics with the pop melodies that I put over them beforehand. It was funny. <laughs> it, was you, funny. It, it was a no. <laughs> it was very funny. That's, that's a no for me. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the K-Love format would not not work with your content, nor would it get where you needed it to go. Uh, it, it just no. wouldn't. And with the people that you're trying to reach, um, you know, a lot of people who are into metal are very analytical. They are very um, mathematical in a lot of ways, very creative. And they are looking for outside the box. That, that's what they're looking for. That's one of the things I like about a lot of metal uh, on the secular side is they're asking the right questions. You know, they're, they're looking for the right things. It's just that somebody's got to give them the, the right answer. Um, and what you're doing is you're providing that answer through the same genre. And the other thing that I really enjoy about metal is you can do whatever you want. Yep. Get away with it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still, Fitting uh, in the box is not a thing. I'm no, it, I don't it, do well with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, Cause I saw, I was doing some more research on you guys before we went on air. Uh, and I saw that, you know, one of your influences, Nightwish, and that is one of the bands that can just do whatever they want and get away with it. You know, the first three tracks of an album are just, you know, bone crunching and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then by the time you're at the end of it, it's like, um, wait a minute, is, what am I listening to? This is not <laughs> what I was expecting, um, but it's so beautifully done. And everybody's just like, oh, yeah, that, that's so beautifully done. And, you know, it's just it, it works. It, it totally works. Um, and that's like... Um, Epica, not too long ago, about a year ago, they really re-released one of their couple of their songs and they just did them jazz style because they wanted to put it to jazz. And I'm like, well, you can do that because you're in the genre where you can you can absolutely get away. You know, the other the other thing too on that is is if you've ever heard any of these guys doing metal covers of bands like Metallica and the, they're not doing metal, they're playing like it's it's orchestral or it's it's uh piano, man. What is in these guys' heads is absolutely unbelievable. Anything, yes. anything that you can translate into an amazing orchestral piece, it's just good music. Oh, yes. It's just yeah. that's our goal. Now, I'm not saying we're there, but that's where we want to go. <laughs> where you can take this stuff and you can change it over there, and it's just as epic in the orchestra as it was with the guitars on stage. Yes. You know. Yeah. And Metallica, they actually, they actually did that. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. They did that. Uh, and what was it? That was out what Los Angeles. Was it where they did that with the Los Angeles orchestra? I, I don't remember. I I've heard clips of it, you know, but yeah. there's a lot of bands that do that where they have the, the orchestral covers or the classical instrument covers um, Two cello guys. They do a lot of rock and metal covers, just phenomenal yeah. music. Yep. That's when I regret giving up the trombone after I graduated from high school. <laughs> there was a place for me and I missed it. Well, maybe <laughs> in the eternal city, I can pick up the trombone once again and rock with Crimson Overtone <laughs> and do some more. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Lord, please. 
He's probably writing that one down right now. <laughs> Let's talk about another song that you have that I find very interesting. And you know what? It's interesting that you bring up the punk aspect because I hear some, you know, reminiscent of early Avril Lavigne and some of your music with the punk influence that's in it. Uh, the Girl Who Never Mattered. How was this song inspired and what is it exactly about? So that one is is all me. <laughs> um, so the intro to that song, you could probably play that song with no intro and it would make perfect sense and it would still be a complete song. But the introduction is what really gives the context for it. And so that's that line um, on the back of a coloring page was a list of names and beside each name, a color and behind each color, a story. And at the top of the page in bold black ink, it read the girls who never mattered. So that's it's a very odd thing to put into any song and it doesn't rhyme and it's not this cool. There's no cool riffs, but I wanted to include it because it's a very realist. So when I was in college, um, I got into a pretty uh, rough situation. I made friends with the wrong kinds of people. And um, this guy that I was seeing at the time, he showed me this list. He was, this was, I would say, while I was still in the grooming process of the abuse. And he showed me, we were downstairs doing homework and he had this coloring page out and he was coloring on it. And he was like, I asked what he was doing. He said, oh, let me show you this list. And None of the colors were repeated on it. He turns it over and it's just a list of dozens of girls. And he starts telling stories about how each of these girls, in his words, he said, they made a noble sacrifice to help him discover who he was meant to be in life. But what that actually meant as far as noble sacrifices go was uh, these were all girls that he had either sexually abused or who he was currently sexually exploiting. Um, trafficking. And so he showed me this list to be like, but see, you're not on this list. You're different. You're special. You're so great. Only to, you know, later end up on the list myself because I ended up in the same, in the same circles and the same exploitation that all these other girls did. And so for the longest time, I was quite literally a girl who never mattered. Like that was the label that was, that my name was put under. It was a girl who never mattered. So then when I went through healing for all of this, when I started getting help for the trauma that I experienced in that situation, I started realizing that it's not just my story that matters. It's everybody that's been through that. When people actually start speaking up about the things we've been through, it makes a difference. More people can hear it because it's louder. It's louder when we speak together on that. So I wanted to really share with people that you know, yes, there is life after trauma. Like you might feel like everything is worthless and terrible now, but from a girl who never mattered, I can genuinely say that you matter, your story matters, and that you have a purpose beyond whatever it is that life has thrown at you. Um, so it's that it's a call to authority a little bit, but also it's a call to I'm no longer identified by that abuse. I'm no longer identified by that label. I it, it's kind of that cheeky um, play on, I was a girl who never mattered. I'm from a girl who never mattered. I don't know how you'd want to label that, but it's it's sort of that cheeky, um, this doesn't actually hold any power over me anymore feeling. Wow. That is a very powerful story. And this is The Girl Who Never Mattered by Crimson Overtone. On the back of a coloring page. 
there might be somebody who's watching or listening right now um, to this live stream and podcast, and they may feel that they do not matter. Uh, what would you say to them at this point in time? This is another question that we uh, we were all kind of talking about beforehand, that there's not a good answer because each of us is still in the middle of something, right? Everybody is going through something. We all hurt. We all struggle. And so we're still trying to learn for the, the answer for ourselves. What, yeah. what causes us to matter? Do we matter? And it's learning to lean on, I guess, the discipline of knowing that, yes, we do. The truth that there is no truth in emotions, right? <laughs> Our emotions might be valid, but they can also be wrong. Our emotions can be very real, but that doesn't make them true. So as far as worth, as far as value, as far as identity, we can't provide that. None of our music can provide that. Nothing I say can give you meaning in your life. But I can say that for me personally, I found an awful lot of meaning and a lot of purpose and a lot of value in who Christ has making me who God has said I am through scripture and in the, the daily choosing of moving forward. Like it's not going to be an easy path, but sometimes all we can do is the next right thing. <clears throat> yeah. I, I would say I've been in a place where I can, accurately say if you speak to the lord from the very bottom of your heart and you actually mean it and you say you need to show me that i matter something will happen now you can't have the, <laughs> the preface on that is you have to be speaking to the lord you don't get to tell him what you want to experience right. that doesn't work that's that's not how this works but and i've been at that place you know i've i've like i've been at that place and says lord you need to prove it to me you need to prove it to me because I don't believe it. And, and that, that's not that long ago. And, um, about two days later, some circumstances ended up and, and it just kind of clicked. And I was like, Oh, not physical circumstances. I, I ended up speaking with some people that said some things to me that just like, yeah, it was like God saying, hi. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hi. What's up? Yeah. So we're good. Okay, thanks. I can move on now. <laughs> I jest, but because it was much more, uh, much more intense than that. But it's still that's the bottom line, you know. And it's like she said, we can share the hope that we've experienced. We can share the good news that we've experienced, and we can def definitively say that it is good news. Yes. yes. But it's your journey, is not mine. My journey is my own. <laughs> Her journey is her home. You know what I mean? So we mm -hmm. got to be able to make our own choices in the matter. Yeah, if I may add, um, I think it's interesting. We do we do define ourselves often by, um, by the abuse that we've gone through or the mistakes that we've gone through. Um, one thing that I've always found fascinating as a Christian, you can ask me if I'm certain about my salvation, and I'm extremely certain about my salvation. I will be in heaven someday. I will be with Christ, hanging out, doing all the cool stuff. 
But it's really funny that I will question him as something as stupid as, do you love me? You know, am I good enough? Um, of course he does. He died for me, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he, he's, he's opened relationship between me and the father. Um, but as, as I go through abuse or stupid decisions, you know, sin, I question that. And, and it's just really funny. It's, it's, it's such a warped point of view. So I go back to, to Romans 12 again. Constantly, I have to renew my mind and remind myself of reality, which is not what I see. I have to walk by faith, not by sight. So, Yes, yes. Our minds have been so messed up and scrambled by the world, and it's getting even worse <clears throat> for people today. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm saved now um, during this time because the attack on identity, uh, there was attack on identity before I was saved on me personally, in who I am and what I was supposed to be. But it's even more so now, especially for, for young people today. It, it's just so difficult for them. Uh, they don't know who they are. Um, and the world's telling them, well, you're this, you're that, and you can be this and you can be that. And, you know, tomorrow I can be a squirrel if I wanted to be. I mean, it's just, it's just totally messed up, the attack on identity. And what I like about what you're doing is you're using music you're using the gifts that god has given you to help people come to that place where they can realize that maybe they're not walking in what the fullness of what god has planned for them you're warring against the enemy in the airwaves uh, you're warring against the prince and power of the air because he knows if people find their true identity what god has made them to be it's over for him that's why there's such an attack on people's identity. That's why for each of you, there was such an attack on you because, you know, he didn't know the fullness of it. He's just been around, <clears throat> excuse me, long enough to know the patterns of what um, is in a person and the inclinations and the giftings. He, he didn't know the fullness of it. Only God knows that. Um, Satan is not omniscient. And we, we have to understand that. We have to get out of that thinking that he knows all these things. He just knows patterns. He knows people's behaviors because he's been around for so long. Um, but he knew that if you and every struggle and every trauma that you went through was an attack of the enemy on you before God redeemed you and got you to this point to prevent you from getting to this point. So the greater the warfare um, on a person, you know, especially on their identity, the greater the calling there is. And one of the things um, we did an interview with one of my pastors a few weeks ago where we were talking about destiny. And one of the things that he shared was that the things that you receive the greatest attacks on, not just spiritually, but mentally uh, through other people, um, that is probably the area that you've been called to. That's, that's what you've been called to do. Uh, it's very interesting because in the world, we don't think of it that way it, it's it's crazy but really what it comes down to is if the enemy knew if the enemy allowed you to walk fully in your identity it would be over for him uh, before we close tonight do you guys have anything else that you'd like to share and can you share with us where we can keep up with crimson overtone news yeah absolutely so we are you know in the process of getting ready for pit fest right now up in indiana we're really excited about that 
Um, we got a couple other shows in the works, both for this year and for next year, that we're hoping to be able to announce at some point in the near future. Uh, so, hey, if you want to see us live, we are currently booking. So go ahead to our website. We have merch. Um, Buy merch. Buy merch. It's always a good thing. <laughs> we need gas money to get to pit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and to keep up with all of the news and all the announcements and things, um, you can do that on our website, crimsonovertone.com, or you can do that by following us on pretty much any social media platform. We're most active on Facebook and Instagram, but we technically have like Twitter and TikTok and stuff, but we just don't post as much as we probably should. But you can follow us there anyways, and we'll try to say hi. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And to our viewers and our listeners, we will be back next week. And until then, peace out and rock on. LithosCry.com